Welcome to the Propreneur Podcast, where we help practice owners become better entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dino Watt. And welcome once again, everybody, to the Propreneur Podcast. Excited to have you here. I'm your host, Dino Watt. And I, again, want to thank you so much for sharing this podcast with your friends and colleagues and letting them know about this being an amazing place to get the best practices for your business and how you can grow it. As always, that's our goal here is to help you grow and, and, and expand your practice and scale it to new levels. And so we always try to bring you the best guests and experts. And today is an expert uh, interview that I'm excited to share with you. I've actually been wanting to do this since the beginning of the year. And then as everything with COVID life happened, right? However, this is a also an interview that for me personally, it's something I've almost been, I won't say a crusade, but I've definitely been a, a missionary for, a, proselyt, a proselytizer for when it comes to getting your content and your information out there and creating yourself as an expert. So I wanted to bring on a guest that is the expert on helping people become experts through writing books and that it doesn't have to be as difficult as you think it is. It doesn't also have to be war and peace for it to be a book that helps you become an expert. So that's why I wanted to bring in my guest today, Adam Witte. Adam, I'm thrilled to have you on the show today. Thank you for being here. Dino, what a great pleasure to be with you and all of your doctors. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if anybody's listened to this show for any period of time, we're on 90-something episodes right now. They know that I, I, I'm going to make it fun just because I'm a little like that dog in Up, you know, with Squirrel. And I'll just, I'll go find that stuff over there. So Adam, one thing that we do on this show at the very beginning always is to find out your story. I think stories, as you know, connect us and, and, and help us really understand who we are. So give us your story of how you got into doing what you do and why you're so passionate about it. Yeah, well, Dino, the first thing that all of your listeners should know is that I'm like you and like them in the sense that I'm a business owner. And so we have all walked together in the same shoes of operating a business and managing a team and, and growing our business. Now, of course, I'm not a doctor, but uh, I am a business owner. And so I can relate to a lot of the challenges and probably the struggles that a lot of your, your doctors face. Uh, for me, I grew up very fortunate. My father was an entrepreneur. And so for some people, that's a blessing. I guess for others, it could be a curse. Because what you see either attracts you towards it or it right. repels you from it. And uh, fortunately for me, the business that my dad started, and, and even though he had his own ups and downs in that business, it ultimately uh, you know, resulted in some success for him. And you know, what I saw as a little kid, I was really attracted to. And so the idea of at some point in my life starting a business of my own, it, it was really kind of a neat idea that I kept kind of out there in the distance. And so I'll tell you this story. I had worked for a publishing company for two summers as an intern when I was in high school. And what I thought I would hate, I ended up really liking and finding very interesting. Now, I went off to college. I didn't really ever think about publishing again until right around the time I was to graduate, I was back home in Central Florida. I grew up as a kid in Orlando, and a mentor of mine was a very well-known business person, and he had written a number of books. And the books that he had written, quite honestly, kind of made him famous. They at least made him a celebrity in the Orlando community. Everybody knew who 
everybody knew who this person was. And we're having lunch and he says, Adam, you should start a publishing company for business owners and entrepreneurs. And I looked at him and I said, Pat, what in the world do I know about publishing? And he said, Adam, you spent two summers as an intern working for a publishing company. You know more about book publishing and book writing than 99.999% of all people. You're qualified. Right. And, and that was my first great entrepreneurial lesson. Whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're, you're right. probably right. Yeah. And, and so with that encouragement, uh, in 2005, I started a business. It's called Advantage Media Group. I still run the company today. And over the last 15 years, we've worked with over 2,000 entrepreneurs and business owners, hundreds of professional practice owners to help them take their expertise, uh, put it into book form, and then help them use that book as a marketing tool to grow their business or to grow their practice. What's fascinating about that is when you think about the publishing uh, ability and capability that are out, out there, go back, say 20, 25 years. Yes, it was possible to be a self-published writer. Yes, it was, uh, it, it was uh, an investment that you were gonna be making and it's a great way to position yourself like, this, like your mentor did. Now, today, the ability to do that and distribute it is something that is available to everybody. So tell me what it is that you like love most about being able to help people achieve that dream, which I think a lot of people have the dream, or at least the thought of writing a book, you know, that there's a book inside of them. What do you like most about that process? Well, so first of all, it, it's never been easier, as you just said, and it's never been harder. And, mm -hmm. and I'll tell you why in just a second. So as you said, it's never been easier. There's technology, there's tools, there's people like me and my company. Of course, it's easy to distribute and sell your book on Amazon, which is now the world's largest marketplace for books. It's never been harder because in this crazy, busy, ADD world that we all find ourselves in, and especially you as a practice owner, that has no extra time. The thought of sitting down and writing a book, like it makes your eyes water just thinking about pain and the agony, right? But let me tell you what I love about it the most. What I love about it is number one, our authors really are experts. And many of them don't give themselves enough credit for all that they know. And if you truly have a servant heart, which means you really wanna serve your customers, you wanna help them make better decisions, you wanna help them have better smiles, more self-confidence, whatever it is. Seeing the good that our authors and their books can do and seeing the joy and fulfillment when they hold the book in their hands for the first yes. time, that is so special. I, I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. It's really a neat thing, right? It's like uh, seeing somebody have their, their baby born, right? And you get to show their baby off to the world. And, and I'll tell you, when I wrote my first book, that was actually one of the concerns, right? As you spend all this time, effort, energy in writing the book, and then you put it out to the world to be judged. It's like, like tell me if my baby's ugly or not. <laughs> you know, you know and, and I love that you just said that because so many of us, in fact, I think all of us at some point in our life and in our career, 
we, we feel like this imposter syndrome. Oh, sure. And, and we have this feeling, you know, I'm not worthy. I'm not qualified. There's far more people that know more about this than I do. Right. Who, who in the world really cares what I think? Why are they going to listen to me? Yeah. And, and when you write the book and you put yourself out there, you know, the, sh- the spotlight's now shining on you. And, and it's, it's, it's scary because you're like, oh, my gosh, you know, what if somebody opens up my book and reads the book and they find a typo or, or they find right. something that they don't think is right? Man, that can paralyze people. I actually, I read this book after I had written my first book, but uh, I thought, oh, I need to do that on my next few books. Speaking of typos, uh, Tony Shea from Zappos in his book, Delivering Happiness at the very beginning says, there's going to be typos, there's going to be misspellings, and I'm not going to change it because I want to tick off my English teachers from high school and stuff like that. And I was like, that's so me, I'm deficient of the spelling gene. Like I'm not allowed to send out an email without Shannon looking at it because I'm so bad at it. Uh, the little red line and, and word where it gives you like, hey, this is spelled wrong, right? And you click on the right, button, the, the right click and it gives you suggestions. More often than not, it has no suggestions. It has no idea what I'm trying to figure say. But to be able to know that there are processes that people can use like your services to be able to write or say what they want to say and that there's a system that will help them clarify that message, whether it be typos, whether it be misspelled words, whether it be even you know, run on sentences or incoherent sentences, all right? Because it makes sense in my head, it might not make sense in yours. Uh, what do you feel is like the, well, I'd love to hear a story of a doctor or anybody who actually had that feeling, that concern, that worry that who's going to listen to me? There's better information out there for me. And then actually having the courage to write that book and use your services to then have that completely shift in their head and the paradigm shift that went on with them. Do you have any examples of that? Yeah. So I'll share with you the story about a, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Dr. Jamie Reynolds. Oh, cool. Yeah. Dr. Reynolds is in the Metro Detroit area in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And for any of your listeners that have maybe met him or seen him lecture or speak, Dr. Reynolds is not somebody that lacks self-confidence. Yeah. Um, he's very sure of himself. And on top of all of that, when, when he raised his hand and he said, you know, I, I've always thought about writing a book and I, I feel like I have something to say, but I'm not sure. I need you to guide me. Mm-hmm. He was very, very forthright in saying, hey, you guys are the experts you've done this a thousand times before, you know, I'm an orthodontist, writing books isn't my specialty, be my Sherpa, guide me, help me make smart choices. So, you know, we, we walked step-by-step step alongside with him. And what he would tell you today is that the book has been nothing short of transformative mm. in not only really positioning and elevating him to a higher level, like as a thought leader in orthodontics, but also uh, in the community, right? So like in the community, you know, if I live in the Metro Detroit area and I, and I need uh, an orthodontist for myself or my children, there's a lot of people to choose from. 
Yep. And one of the big challenges that I think any professional practitioner faces, and I'm sure you talk about this a lot, is that it's easy to get commoditized. Yes. And it's easy to get put in this trap of, well, you look like everybody else, you sound like everybody else, you kind of smell like everybody else. So I'm going to go to the dentist, I'm going to go to the orthodontist that's closest to my house. Or that's right next to my kid's school because I've got to take them out at lunchtime for the appointment. Right. Instead, the parent should be choosing who is the very best, most knowledgeable, most expertise physician service provider that will take care of myself or my family. Yep. And, and so the book and what Jamie found is it really took him, it, it took his credibility up another level. And what he found is that his patients over time started coming from farther and farther away. Yeah. So he actually expanded his geographic footprint for his practice because now people wanted the guy that wrote the book on braces. That's right. Versus just the guy that was in the phone book or on the Google search. That's right. And people, it's funny. I, I can't remember who was the marketer. You might remember this, that there was a, Famous story of a marketer who was helping, um, I want to say it's Anheuser-Busch or something like that, uh, and they're marketing, and he went in to visit their factory, and he started, the, the owner of the factory was telling him how they, you know, prepare the, the barley and the wheat and blah, 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 and he goes, wow, I didn't know this, like, we should use this in the ads, we should tell people about this, and the, the factory owner says, well, that's what everybody does, every beer maker does that, and he says, well, you might know that. But not every beer drinker is or beer maker is telling the beer drinkers, this is how we do the thing we do. And so if you do that, you're the first one to do it. And if everybody else does it behind you, then it's like, oh, us too, as opposed to being the first one out. When a lot of doctors that I talk to or clients that I say, man, you should write a book. She says, well, somebody already wrote a book about this or somebody already has that. Or again, who's going to talk to me about this? They don't recognize that it's just the footprint in your area you're really caring about the most of those people seeing you as the expert, the one who told them the thing they didn't know. When, when you are standing in the middle of a forest, it's very hard to see the trees through the forest. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so the same is true for the doctor. When you're in your practice, you say, yeah. well, the book's already been written or this is my favorite. Why would anybody want to read a book about braces? Right. Well, as it happens, if you're a parent and you're about to spend five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars, yep. you actually are very interested in reading a book about braces for the doctor that you're about to hire yep. to help your child like transform their smile. Yep. So we can't, as the doctor, ever put ourselves in the position of well, who cares? because we're not the customer, right? So I, I'm somebody who probably would be that parent who wouldn't necessarily read the book about orthodontics, but I would definitely be impressed enough and see my doctor as the expert if I were to receive that book in the mail. Like I tell my doctors, what an amazing marketing, like the best marketing uh, campaign you could do is the moment somebody calls into your office, to possibly book an appointment, immediately have a book sent out to them so they get that book before they get into your office. How many doctors are sending out the, their book that they wrote to their potential patients? If I'm a dad and I see that and I'm like, dude, and the guy we're going to wrote the book on 
the best smile of your life or the 10 things you need to know before you actually get braces, like whatever it is, that's pretty impressive. That positions you in a pretty high spot. And my favorite thing to hope for, as I tell my clients is, my goal would be that that parent maybe doesn't sign up with you that first day, but goes to another appointment and goes to that doctor and says, so did you write a book on this or do you have any books to show us on that? That would be awesome, right? Because then it's the ultimate positioning. Yeah, you, you know, so many doctors, they might think, well, well, gee, you know, who would buy my book? Well, as you just said, it, it's not about selling copies of your book. It's nope. about strategically putting your book in the hands of a potential patient. Yes. Because one new patient to your practice is equivalent to selling a thousand books or more. And so the credibility that the book gives you, the perception that the, the patient now has that you're the expert, you're the go-to guy, you're the go-to gal, you're the person I need to listen to and pay attention to. It's incredible how that rises with a book. And, you know, for doctors, the most important thing is now the patient becomes a whole lot more compliant. Yeah. Cause you're the guy, they're not going to question you. You're it. Yeah, totally. All right. So let's talk about what, what makes a good book and what doesn't make a good book? Because I can tell you, I know you've seen them out there. One of the, as you were talking about earlier, the problems with it being kind of so easy to publish a book nowadays is everybody and their brother is publishing a book yeah. and not all of them. And, and they, and they, well, I've seen this, you've seen this. We're both in the information marketing space. Like we like with the, the Dan Kennedys and all these guys, right? You have people who are, quote, publishing a book, that's really a, a glorified pamphlet, right? That maybe is like 35 pages long, but they were able to put it on Amazon. So quote, it's a book now, right? Um, and I think that that can also, in my opinion, it can hinder as much as it can help. So as somebody who's seen a lot of books, as somebody who's listened to a lot of ideas of what to do in the books, what makes a good idea for a book and what makes a not so great idea for a, a book? Yeah, well, the first thing is that you and I, of course, we're talking about real books, right? We're talking about 120, 130, 140, 150 page book. Right, like, right. Looks as good, reads as good as something you'd find in the front table of a Barnes & Noble. Right. So that's what you and I are talking about. Right. And that's important because a book done well raises your credibility. Yes. A book done poorly can exactly. actually destroy and torpedo your credibility. So what makes a good book? The first thing is that you've got to bait the hook to suit the fish, not the fisherman. Okay. That's really a good saying. That makes a lot of sense right there. Do not write the book that you, the doctor want to write. Write the book that answers the questions that are keeping your patient up at night. Yes. That's what it's all about. And so it's, it's real simple. Let, let's stick with orthodontics because that's okay. what we're just talking about with Dr. Reynolds. Yeah. So if you're an orthodontist, if I ask you, what are the 10 most common questions you get? I guess I would bet every doctor on this uh, podcast could give me the 10 most common questions they get. Totally agree. Okay. So if all you did in your book was in a very logical and intelligent way, answer those two, those 10 questions, you've got something that your patient wants to read. 
Right. You've got something that your patient cares about. Now, I'm not saying that writing a book is as easy as just answering the top 10 questions. But, but the point that I'm making is what makes a good book is you are answering the question that's going on in their head yep. that's, that's forcing them to say, do I feel comfortable buying from you or do I not? Right. And until these questions are answered, I'm not ready to pull out my wallet. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And uh, a, a good book that makes me go, oh, I not only learned about, about what I want to know, right, about, about my kid or about braces, but also about you as the way you think about the braces treatment, the way you think about how my kid's smile should be. Like, I think a good example would be uh, you also published the book for, uh, and I just know this because I know this, but uh, Dr. Frost, right? Yep. And his book is really about that artistic smile and how to, he, he, he specializes, yes, he does braces, yes, he does Invisalign, but he also specializes in that gummy smile. And for him to be able to talk about that, that might be something I might not necessarily need for myself because I don't have a gummy smile, but I at least know that I know what he does and who, what he's all about. And that's really important, I think. What makes the bad book then? Oh, sorry, God, say that. No, that's right. The, the, the bad book. So what makes the bad book? Uh, the bad book is one that is all about you, the doctor, and what you want to write about. Um, the bad book is the one that is simply, this is an ego play. This is a vanity play. Um, that's really the, the, the bad book. If, if you approach the book as, again, I'm a servant. What is it that my patient, my prospective patient, wants to learn, needs to learn, so I, as the doctor, can be of most service to them, then, then that's going to guide you to create a book that will not only be good, but will be read and embraced by your, your patients and your prospective patient community. Yeah, it's funny because as you say that, I, I joke around on stage in a manner that's also very truthful about uh, people's about me pages on their websites that are typically all about like them and their accolades and their stuff and their, Oh, I went to this college and this school and they have a big picture of them and their family and, you know, some field somewhere or by a yep. tree with, right. with the Labrador retriever. Yeah. Right. Right. And I get it, but I also think that I want to get to know you and your thought process and how you are going to help me get what I want. And I think, the book obviously is a much longer formatted way to do that. And it just makes a lot of sense. Tell me about some of your uh, most successful books that you maybe didn't see coming. I want to share one idea before yeah. I lose it. Cause it's, okay, so, cool. it's so important to what you just said. One of the greatest marketing secrets that I learned, and it was from Dan Kennedy. Uh -huh. It was this concept of CTI. Okay. And CTI stands for consumer time invested. The principle is very, sim uh, very simple. The more time that a prospective patient spends reading your book, visiting your website, reading literature, learning about you, learning about the procedure, uh, listening to stories from satisfied patients, the more time they invest in learning about you and your practice, the more likely they are to buy because it's all psychological. Right. We right. don't 
we don't want to have invested all that time and then go somewhere else and have wasted it. Yeah. So the more content, the more involvement devices that you give your prospective patient, a book being a great example of that, the, the more likely they will be to buy if they engage in it. That makes a lot of sense. And it's something that I, I don't think, uh, again, it, it comes across a little bit because of the entrepreneurial mindset of ways to help people say yes to you, ways to uh, let people know who you are and what you do. And, and not everyone thinks that way. So I think that's a really great formula. CTI. Consumer, awesome. consumer time invested. So some of the surprises, I think, yeah, a, a lot of those are around, you know, a lot of doctors think, again, who wants to read my book? Right. And who would talk about my book? And like, you know, who really cares? Right. It's very easy to be in that place. And I think some of the biggest positive surprises have been the amount of referrals that have mm. come from a book and the amount of, so patient referrals and doctor to doctor referrals. Okay. And, and I'll put it this way. Uh, books are seen as gifts. Yeah. So, uh, the, the, the two biggest times of book sales in the calendar year are Christmas and Father's Day is number oh, two. Oh, interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, so Christmas, Father's Day. So books are bought uh, as gifts for a lot yeah. of And when you, a doctor, are able to gift a prospective patient a copy of your book, yeah, it's not seen as, hey, you're trying to sell me something. It's not seen as marketing collateral. It's seen as a gift. Yeah. And patients that want to tell their friends or their family about you, they ain't going to go around passing out your business card. I can right. promise you that. But if they had a copy of your book, they would give it to their friend, they would give it to their mother, their aunt, their sister and say, hey, you know, this is my doctor. He wrote this book. You should take a look at it. Yeah. And now they don't feel like they're trying to sell anything. Yeah. So, nice. that, that's, so smart. that's been the biggest positive surprise, I think, for most of our clients our authors, but quite frankly, the doctors in particular, is that the book becomes this stealth referral tool. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what I was saying earlier about the idea of, man, if somebody got that in the mail, or even if I would just walked into the office and in the waiting area, I see my doctor's book that, you know, I'm, I'm going to see this doctor and he wrote a book on this stuff. That's pretty awesome. Um, I wanted to find out though, so let's just say I'm a doc and I'm considering writing a book, but I really don't want to be, because I think a lot of people do it for this reason. Uh, I don't want to be a KOL in this industry, right? A, a key opinion leader. I don't want to be up on stages. Yep. Um, I'm not going to make any money off my book because I'm not really going to go sell it. So is there anything that you've seen creatively and um, maybe a little out of the box that you've seen people use their books for besides getting up on stages and doing, like I said, send it out to their clients. And I'm, I'm asking this because I'm curious who's going, what else could you use that for? Yeah, so, so the number one way to use a book as a doctor is definitely new patients into mm. your practice, right? And you can use your book to generate new patients without ever getting on stage, without ever doing a webinar, without ever being seen as a key opinion. Now, another big opportunity that the book opens up for you 
is publicity. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Being written about, being talked about. Uh, now, look, you may say, well, I don't want to do any radio interviews. I don't want to do any TV interviews. Okay. I mean, if you got the opportunity, you should. But, yes. But okay, I get it. You don't want to. But now that you've written the book on the topic and the media has it available to them, they can reference you and yep. they can you. And so we've had a lot of success with our doctors using the book to position them to be attractive as a guest mm -hmm. on, on media, both print, radio, and TV. And that creates presence and awareness for them as a doctor in their practice that, that gets new phone calls and new visits to the website. I love that idea. And I think that, I mean, if, if any one of my clients were like, well, I'm not sure if I want to be on TV or radio for free, I would first talk about that of like, dude, you know how many, much money people spend on billboards or radio ads or whatever, and to get free opportunity to be interviewed by your local news, huge. The other thing I thought of as you were saying that is, you know, so many doctors and business owners in general are trying to get in with local elementary schools, uh, local junior highs to, you know, be a guest lecturer there or to just like talk to the science club or whatever. The more you can be out there, the better. And to be able to send that uh, book to a principal or the school board to say, hey, I'm Dr. So-and-so. I wrote this book. I'd love to come and talk to your kids about hygiene or I'd love to. And I know there are a lot of companies who do that as a program, try to get into these schools. But how many more could you get into? How much more uh, of a reach could you do? One of the areas that I tell my doctors about often that nobody really taps into is the homeschool market, especially now, right? Homeschool is just blown up because of forced had to, but I think a lot of people are making that choice as well, that they're always looking for ways to connect with, uh, or, or sorry, ways to uh, learn new stuff. And so if you can go and be the hygiene teacher or the talk about braces and why it's important to a homeschool group and how quickly that'll spread because you have a book, because you're the expert. I mean, there's just a lot of opportunity there. That's what I love about what you do, Adam, is I don't think people fully recognize when they first think, oh, I should write a book or I've thought about writing a book or maybe I should write a book. They don't see the long tail of how it works. And I'll tell you, I'm kind of guilty of that too. I wrote my first book in 2015. So here it is five years later. And I even catch myself sometimes going, oh, I've already written it. Like it's, it's five years old. People, everybody's got it. Not everybody's got my book. Like no one, no one has my book. Like a very small percentage of people have my book. But just the idea of knowing that you've left that information out there and created that piece of content that honestly will be around for a very long time, if not ever, right? Because of digital media now. I think what you're doing is not just giving people an opportunity to share their story, become the experts, but to truly leave a legacy, leave their mark on this planet because they wrote it down, not in some report no one's ever going to read, but in a book that even if your grandkids were able to read it, you know, 25, 30 years from now, that's pretty awesome. So I just think of what you're doing is pretty awesome. Well, I'll share this final secret. So one of the greatest assets of a book is that it is a marketing tool for your practice. Mm -hmm. And when you are ready to retire and sell your practice, the question I say is, well, what, what assets are you selling to, to the doctor or the private equity firm or the DSO or whatever it is, whoever you're selling to, what asset are you selling? Well, in most cases, you're selling a, a patient list. 
right? Yeah. Most dental offices, most orthodontic practices, most professional practices in general, they don't have any real marketing assets. Right. They, they just have a patient list. Well, when you write the book on the topic, and as you said, with digital media, a book can have a lifespan of 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Uh, one of the things that we've helped some of our doctors do is when they bring in a new doctor who's buying the practice from them, they now co-author the book together. Nice. The doctor's authority uh, awesome. rubs off on the new doctor that's buying in. So they're the co-authors of the book. Right. And it's a way for the doctor's legacy to live on and the influence. Love to it. And, and now they've created a marketing asset as well that has real saleable value. Oh, that's brilliant. Because now, not only are you giving that value to the, the community, but that doctor, I mean, how often, everybody listening to this knows and has heard stories of doctors who've just had a real hard time getting the community to transition over from the doctor who's been there for 30 years and everybody loves and they're so sad to see him go and they look at you side-eyed, right? So having that co-authored book, that's brilliant. That's really, man. Okay, everybody listen to the show. You just got a huge nugget right there. You better be writing down. You better be leaning into. That's awesome. Well, Adam, as I said, I think that what you're doing is, is such a value to every community that's out there, giving people an opportunity to write their books. And by the way, we should mention too that you do have services, and I just know this because we've had a conversation before, you have services that if somebody really is worried about that time commitment to sit down and write, that you have people who can help them do that. You have ghostwriters, you have people who can help them extract that story from them, even if they feel like they're not good storytellers or a great way to put together information or don't know how to put together information well. You have those services, correct? We do. We have ghostwriters and, and we have a, a team of people that can partner with you to take your content, take your expertise and actually put it into written form. And so you can get a book out of your head and, and literally onto paper without really having to ever sit down and write a single word yourself. Wow. That's, that's a huge key, right? Like you were talking earlier about some of the challenges and that overcomes a lot of it. I can sit and I can talk to somebody and they're, they're, so talented that they can actually extract those stories and ideas from me and they can put it into a format that makes sense. How long does a normal process take with you to write a book? So from start to finish for a full size, 150, 160 page book, start to finish typically about six months. Okay. We also have a program, it's called a hook book. And a hook book, it's a smaller book. So it's almost like a gift book. Okay. And it's 60-ish, 50, 60 pages, mm -hmm. can be read in an hour, an hour and a half. And it's laser focused on just one topic, one very laser focused topic. It's called a hook book because you're getting like it. You know, it's a hook with somebody. Yep. Yep. And we can create a book from start to finish for a doctor in less than 90 days. I don't think people, well, I hope people recognize how powerful that alone could be and that expert positioning, like even going back to my whole point of giving that out to potential new patients, whether that be in an actual physical format book or an ebook, where you could do, like you said, one subject, as soon as you said that, I thought, okay, what's the, you know, the difference between a dentist and an orthodontic specialist, right? And that's a big question that a lot of doctors try to overcome and let people know what's the difference between going to a dentist and getting your liners in the mail. Like you could do a 60 page book on something like that specifically, tell stories, show examples, 
very quickly and very powerfully. I like that, a hookbook. More people should be in hookbooks. I like that. Well, and the hookbook could be a series of hookbooks too, right? Where you have this is this and then this and then this. That's great. I love it. You'd be prolific authors. All right. So what else do they need to know to get started when it comes to uh, if they are thinking about getting uh, writing a book now? Hopefully they all are after this conversation. What are some things that they need to know? Well, so the first thing that you've got to realize is that, um, that you want to begin with the end in mind. Mm. You want to know what your why is and what the outcome it is that you want. I, I right. like to ask the question, Dean, I'll say, um, if we were to help you write and publish a book, and six months after the book comes out, we're having lunch, and I say, has the book been successful? What's the measuring stick that you're going to use to tell me if it's been I love successful? that. And, and really, that's where we want to start is let's define what success is. Yeah. And then the second big tip is uh, really work with an architect, if you will, and create the blueprint for your book before, yeah. you, before you start writing, before you hire a ghostwriter, before you do anything. You really want to create that master book outline before you do anything else. So begin with the end in mind. Uh, really ask yourself, what do I want to accomplish with the book? And then create that outline. And, and we have resources in our company uh, where we can help you on that first step with creating that outline. And certainly uh, a book that I wrote to help business owners write books is a book titled Authority Marketing. And uh, oh, nice. if, if they visit our website, Dino, um, you can learn more about the book. In fact, we have uh, some complimentary copies that we give away as well. And so if you visit advantagefamily.com, uh, there's a lot more on how to get started and, and information on the authority marketing book that might help them on their journey. And that's Vantage with a V as in Victor. Yeah, ad, advantagefamily.com. Advantagefamily.com. Okay, I just said advantage.com. So it's yep. good. I'm glad I clarified that. Advantagefamily.com. I that makes a lot of sense. Well, you know, Adam, the amount of information and ideas that I hopefully you have started like stirring in people's brains as they were watching this. I've even got a few new ideas that I want to be doing uh, is, is really been awesome. So I really appreciate your time. At this point in our show, we go to our six rapid fire questions that are just the first thing that comes off the top of your mind as fast as you can say it. Are you willing to play? I'm ready to go. All right. What do you think is the most expensive thing that private practice owners are missing in their practice? Uh, they have no patient relationship marketing and communication systems in place that drive what I call internal marketing. So that they are not systematically marketing to their existing patients to stimulate more referrals in a sophisticated way. So true. That's really, man, we could do a whole podcast on that. That's so true. Uh, what is a book that you believe every private practice owner should be reading? It's a business book. It's titled Scaling Up. Oh, it's great. Written by Vern Harnish. Vern Harnish. And every doctor, uh, you, unfortunately, you didn't go to business school. You, you, don't, you don't have an MBA. You didn't take many classes in business, yet you are forced to run a business when you own your own practice. And yep. so the more you can do to educate yourself as a true business owner, the better. And that's a phenomenal yeah. book. It's a great book. Vern is so smart. I've been uh, lucky enough to meet him a few times and have conversations. I was a part of EO for a while. I, he's just a smart, smart guy. 
Uh, in my book, speaking of books, The Practice Rx, I talk a lot about how team culture and our team performance and culture are the foundation of business growth. What do you see is the biggest challenge when it comes to practice owners that uh, and them facing bad cultures or challenging team members? So the biggest thing that I see is most doctors, and we, we, you know, we work with hundreds of doctors. Most doctors expect their team to know exactly what to do, when to do it, and to think like they do the doctor. And they don't think that they have to do the hand-holding, the training, and the education to get them to, to, get them to where they need to be. Um, most doctors just say, hey, I hired you. You should know what you're doing and go do it. And then when they don't do it well, they get upset, yep. but they really never gave them the training and education that they needed. So true. Uh, we already mentioned that uh, people go to advantagemedia.com. Advantage family. Advantagefamily.com. There you go. Advantagefamily.com. Are you also on social media or anything like that that people can follow you? So, you know, I'm a writer. I write books, which means I'm very old school. <laughs> uh, I am on LinkedIn. I am there on you go. Uh, and, and you can also visit my personal website at adamwitty.com. Perfect. Uh, so, so there you go. But that's the extent of my, uh, my social media interaction. And I bet you're better off for it. I got to tell you. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. So last two questions. What's the best advice that you've ever received in life or business? The best advice that I ever received in life or business uh, a mentor of mine, Jack Daly, he said, Adam, your job is not to grow a company. Your job is to grow people that grow a company. Yes. So let me translate that. Doctor, your job is not to grow your practice. Your job is to grow people that grow your practice. So true. So true. hundred percent. All right. Last question. What's the best resource or tool that you think every private practice owner should be using to grow their practice right now? If you don't say write a book, I'm going to have to reach through the screen and smack you in the head. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you two tools. Uh, okay. Tool number one is you, you absolutely should become an authority and an expert in yeah. your community, in the eyes of your patients, and in the eyes of your prospects, because that is a game changer. Yep. Uh, the second thing is you've got to have a systematic way to internally market to your existing patients. And there's a company that I'm a part of that I helped start called MLive. It's uh, like marketing live, mlivesoftware.com. Okay. Now, it's specifically built for general dental practices. So it's right now just for dentists, but it is a marketing automation platform that so does smart. all of your internal marketing for you. So smart. So smart. I love it. That's a really, really great point. I'm glad that you're creating that. And what I'm also glad is that I'm assuming the evolution of that business will be able to have you back on the show and talk about how that not can just affect the, or the dental space, but also the ortho space, because uh, they all need it. They need it badly. I would love to come back at some point. We could spend a whole episode talking about internal marketing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, for this episode, I just want to say again, thank you for being a part of the show and sharing your wisdom with everybody listening. And I hope that all of you listening really got the, the, the message here. If you're not hearing it loud enough from me, from Adam, the expert, write a book, become that expert, become the person that everybody in your community is going, oh, I got to go to them, 
not just because you're popular, not just because you're good at what you do. Look, I think that 99% of doctors out there are good at what they do, but because you're doing something that I, that Adam touched on at the very beginning, you're decommoditizing what you do. You're no longer just a commodity. You are decommoditizing because you've separated yourself from the crowd. And I think that's really, really powerful. So thank you, Adam, for sharing that message today. Dino, great to be with you guys. Awesome. Well, everybody, once again, I want to uh, say uh, thank you so much for being here watching our show or listening to our show, whatever uh, format you're watching this on or listening to this on. And uh, to tell you again, our goal here is always to bring you the best practices possible for your business and to help you scale and grow it. And as always, to help you be more proactive, productive, and profitable in all areas of your life and business. So for now, we will see you on the next episode, everybody. Thank you. Thanks so much again for listening to the ProPreneur Podcast. We really appreciate your support. If you haven't subscribed already, please make sure you do so. Also, if you feel like you might be a good fit for our podcast as a guest or know somebody who you think would be, go ahead and email us at dino at dinowatt.com. Again, thanks for support. We'll see you on the next episode.